Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me explode. Hello and welcome to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. It's hard to bring the dynamite at the top of a show when I'm just in such a good mood. And I'm in an amazing mood today, not just because of I get to share this time with you all out there on Facebook and on Twitter and and also get to share this time with none other than DJ Carrot Sticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's us getting street here on the Andrea K Show. I don't know that my next guest ever gets street because he's just straight up businessman attorney. <laughs> I don't know. He might get street at some point or have some fun when he's out taking photography. Um, it's just super. It's an honor to me always to have him on the show, even though we're going to talk about some serious topics. It still just makes me happy to have you here, Tom Del Bacaro. You're so sweet. I love being on your show. Love oh, seeing you. Thank you. And thanks, Melissa Ann Murray, for being here as well. Do you want to say hi to anybody? Oh, Tom stole the mic from you. You can't get a word in with him. That's right. Okay, um, Tom, there's so many. I, I really probably should have had him on the entire hour, but I had some other guests already booked um, for the show. But I could really talk to you about every topic that's happening forever because you are kind of a, they say master of all, what, what's the term? Jack of all, master of none or something like <laughs> Jack that. Jack of all trades, master of right. none. But, but you actually do know all the topics. And so <laughs> you really, and you're as a contributor on Forbes, uh, as well as anybody, everybody should follow you on Facebook. You're so kind. Thank your you. Your commentary though on, on everything related to politics and what's going on today in the Trump administration is just so dead on. I wish we had time to cover everything, but I want to start. Okay. Since you are an attorney- as well as the author of The Divided Era and so many other books, um, talking about Gorsuch. And with the hot topics happening today, people might be saying to me, why are you going to lead off the show with talking about Gorsuch? Because our, so much of the Trump's, admin, Trump's agenda and what he talked about um, is subject um, to be snatched away by the courts. They've been weaponized. Yeah. We see what happened with a travel ban. We see, we see um, going back the last eight years, how the courts have been weaponized and used against... Um, really uh, for years when it comes yeah. to religious clauses. Yeah, when it comes to religious clauses. So we've got Gorsuch now. Yeah. Uh, somewhere close to between 50 and 60% of voters in the exit polls said that the Supreme Court was one of the main reasons why they were voting for Trump. Which is an amazing number because it's never been that high in history. Right. So I think Americans understand that um, what was at stake? What was at stake and what's been happening with the lower courts and why it was important. They saw what Roberts did with Obamacare. and One of the worst written legal opinions I've ever seen out of the Supreme Court. Yeah. And there's lots of theories behind that. I think that the bottom line is what some people think that there was uh, he was blackmailed and all that. I just think that the Republican Party only gets it right about half the time. The liberals, the Dems, they always get it right. Every nominee ends up being far left. The Republicans, half the time, it's we got yeah. ourselves a Roberts. Some people say that Gorsuch, um, it shouldn't be so monumental, one man, to the impact on our country. Is it going to be monumental to have Gorsuch? And if so, how? Well, first, let's start off by saying that this is one of the worst blunders by a Senate minority leader in history. Schumer completely blew this because he, he did this whole thing and forced them to go nuclear on a candidate for the office, a nominee, who's really quite a good judge. And what he did by doing this is he forced McCain 
and Lindsey Graham to go along with the nuclear option when they wouldn't normally want to do that. Because if they were going to do this to Gorsuch, they'll do it to anybody. Right. What Schumer should have done is waited until you got not a Scalia to Gorsuch, but uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's 84 years old, for a conservative justice, because that would really move the court. Change the balance. But by doing it now, the rule change there for this entire Mm -hmm. Senate, Mm -hmm. and it will be there for the next one likely as well. And so now it doesn't matter if they replace with a conservative justice, Mm -hmm. it's only... You won't even have to ask Lindsey Graham how he's going to vote. You won't even have to ask McCain. It's going to happen on a 50 plus one could be Mike Pence. And that will significantly move the court. To answer your question directly, Gorsuch isn't going to change the court much from where it was two years ago. You have three conservative justices. You have two somewhat in the middle, Roberts and Kennedy. And then you have the four very liberal justices. So the court, as it sits here today... Arguably, will make some conservative decisions, but it will also make some more liberal decisions like what what Roberts did with Obamacare. Now, look, whether you like Obamacare or not, his decision was awful because it wasn't based in constitutional law. With some of the, the cases, I, I, I had concerns about Gorsuch because, um, like I said, I, I, let me let me back up. Anybody that we put forward is going to be better than what Hillary would. By miles. By miles. However, for generations. However, I'm not convinced that he's Scalia's heir as much as he is Kennedy's, and I think that I think that he's I think that he's bound to disappoint us. Here are some cases that there are going to be. Well, but before you get there, what is good about Gorsuch is he agrees with Scalia on the notion that the the point of our system of government was to allow the legislatures to experiment, mm-hmm. to pass laws, see if things work or not. The only restriction was it couldn't be unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. So Scalia was a big fan of democracy. He liked the legislators doing their work and he liked his work, which is, is that within the goalposts of what the Constitution allowed? Otherwise, I really don't have any right to to say anything. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to be like that as a justice. It's the next justice that is going to significantly change the court uh, regard if Kennedy or right. Bader Ginsburg change. I want to get into some of the 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 upcoming cases that uh, affect Trump's agenda going forward and affect us as Americans. One is um, businesses refusing gay weddings services, which to me uh, is should be an easy slam dunk. But I don't like the fact that I I don't feel like I can count on it being a slam dunk. The other is most importantly is uh, the travel ban and the illegal immigration. Yeah, the travel ban is really ridiculous what's happening in the Ninth Circuit. Because essentially what they've said was, if a state feels like it's economically impacted, and what I mean by a state, not me and you as private citizens, but a state government, Mm -hmm. is if it's economically impacted, they can essentially apply to the courts to get a stay of a foreign policy action. That is actually (laughs) the most extreme anti-federalist, small government, state-centric position possible. Patrick Henry would be thrilled because Patrick Henry, of course, was very anti-federalist. He was against the Constitution because it thought it made too powerful a federal Mm -hmm. government. 
it's a ridiculous decision because back then, of course, there was only 13 of them. Mm -hmm. But if any one state can veto the actions of foreign policy today, mm -hmm. that's the real impact of this case. Forget the, the individual merits of, of the Muslim ban or not. If this were somehow to, to be upheld and it won't be, it will lose, I think at seven to two or eight to one or possibly nine to nothing at the federal, wow. at okay. the Supreme Court level, because it is so utterly ridiculous. Okay. So, all right. Well, to me, that's the most important thing going forward because that was safety. So, uh, safety. Yeah. As well as the economic impact. Sure, think about this. Any trade policy, virtually every president we've had going back to uh, Truman uh, has had a foreign policy trade edict that affected the economy of states, individual mm -hmm. states. Mm -hmm. That's their purview. That's why you have a federal government. In fact, our constitution, one of the main reasons we have a constitution at all mm -hmm. was because the individual states were broke, the federal government was broke, and they couldn't do business abroad. So they wanted to create a central government mm -hmm. that would retire debt, Hamilton's idea to retire the debt, and that would allow us as a nation to do business abroad. Mm -hmm. Okay. This unwinds that because right. now it says Hawaii doesn't like this, so there's no foreign policy. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Do you think that uh, Trump should have done what Dershowitz said initially after, after Robart? Just ignore it. No, I think he should have appealed it immediately. He should have kept with the appeal of the original. And I said this out loud Instead of at the modifying, because all he did was validate their issues, their their complaints. And well, I knew they would, no matter what he did the next time around, they would sue again and they would right. find judges who think they're liberal, but right. don't even understand the implications of what they're doing. Right. Got to move on. Speaking of business, by the way, if you're just tuning in, this is Andrea Kay talking to Tom Delbacaro. Tax reform. Today, we got a lot of bigs. Trump is meeting with a lot of bigs in Washington talking about tax reform, which is including discussions of the border tax, including discussions of a trillion dollars for infrastructure. Um, your thoughts? This is, this is, there's four things I want out of, out of a Trump administration. We got one of them in Gorsuch. We'll probably get another Supreme Court justice. I want to stay alive. Yeah. I oh, want, I do too. Yay. I want them to fix the laws related to healthcare so that health, mm -hmm. so that the private sector can flourish. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we don't do anything for, for the poor, but to fix the laws that are prohibiting it and tax reform. This is a massive issue. Mm -hmm. If Trump can put together corporate and individual tax reform, the economy will be ignited and the Republicans will win in 2018 and 2020. And most importantly, people will find better jobs. So this is a huge issue. The Republican Congress has fallen down, in my view, by not being prepared for health care. Mm -hmm. They should have, November 8th, they should have been meeting on this and determined long before Inauguration Day. Here's where we all can agree, Mr. President, mm -hmm. where we ha have common ground. Let's go forward. They must do this on tax reform. Now, the biggest fly in this ointment is the border tax, which as I, I'm not in agreement with, mm -hmm. but there's no reason they shouldn't pass sweeping reform, either exactly what Reagan did or even better. Of course, mm -hmm. when I ran for U.S. Senate, I had my own flat tax. They need to do that. It mm -hmm. would cause an, a, a, a short-term economic boom along with his... Uh, regulatory reform and it would be a big deal for the country and Republicans would win big in 18 and 20. Um, 
so many people right now got to now I got only a few minutes left. I got to pick your brain on foreign policy. Um, people are kind of really scared right now. Um, you got headlines on Drudge yesterday. Close to war was the big bold letters yeah, I, on Drudge yesterday, and people are first of all, I think they're misinterpreting what what Trump's uh, reason why he did the serious strikes. Now they're misinterpreting their 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 conservatives are saying, see, he's he's going to do like George W. again and take us in these long protracted wars, and now we're about he, he those strikes launch. World War Three, top people off the ledge. This is exactly what they said about Reagan. Okay. I don't normally make these comparisons between Reagan and anybody because that's like saying, let alone Trump. <laughs> yes, but this is the exact same thing they were doing. And it, it, on Political Vanguard today, which is my website, you have uh, you have Newt Gingrich making the argument of why this was similar to bombing Gaddafi. If you demonstrate resolve. Mm-hmm. That resets it. We had no resolve for the last eight years. I don't think Trump and and Bannon and I just this is the subject of my upcoming op-ed. They don't. They think that America's protracted wars have ruined our economy at home to a certain degree and reduced our prosperity. They really believe that. So I, just because you you do some good moves doesn't mean you're going to do all the other moves that certain other presidents have done. So I'm not fearful that we're going to going to go into North Korea and set up camp there. That's not going to happen. The Chinese wouldn't allow it and we shouldn't we shouldn't do that although it's a crime against humanity what has happened in the last 60 years there. Right. So it isn't as bad as people think. Uh, but it's good to have a president who speaks clearly because that's so meaningful to allies. The problem they had with Obama's after the Benghazi thing where he sold out our ally. No one trusted him. He sold out the Polish right at the start of his administration on the missiles in Europe. No one trusted him. Difference with Trump is he's going to act mm-hmm. and and they'll be resolved. It's amazing how quiet the Democrats have been on this. In fact, they're trying to kick out the Hawaii legislator for even arguing the Democrats their own because she wasn't because she's questioned whether it was the right move. Right. Um, 30 seconds are left. What do you make of the infighting going on in the Bannon versus Kushner? And, and are you concerned that the push out supposedly, allegedly, of some people like Bannon shows that he's being dragged to the left? And some people are saying that this means that that he's he's getting more on board with this globalist movement. Palace intrigue is always amazing. You know, the Reagan speech that said, tear down this wall. Mm-hmm. The, the, the big guys took out that line. Dana Rohrbacher, who wrote it, insisted it be put back in. Reagan wrote it. Changed history. I'm not really worried at this stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, <laughs> President Trump was never a hardcore Republican. Right. So none of this shocks me. Right. But if he gets tax reform and they fix health care and they give me Gorsuch and I'm alive... That's what I expected. And we don't out have it. This. And if we don't have Hillary. Yes. No, it, we look, we have to reduce the size of government. We'll talk about that the next time. Yeah. All right. Where can people read your upcoming op ed? Uh, always at uh, Forbes.com, but politicalvanguard.com. You can see it there. And we'll have, by the probably the next time I see you, we'll have a new website. Yay. Which is when? When are you coming um, back? Well, for you. Yes. Any day now. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, quiet Melissa over there. All right. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up, we got Ryan Morrow from Clarion Project going to talk more about Syrian strike and also the recent terrorist attacks that happened in Sweden. Ain't getting a whole lot of publicity for that as well as Egypt. Stay tuned, everybody.
sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I had such a good time talking to my guy, Tom Delbacaro. As you could tell, that man's really got so much expertise. I need to have him back for, for a full time. Really follow him on Facebook because his daily posts about what's going on are just concise uh, bullet points, um, really uh, keeping everybody on track with that. To keep everybody on track with national security and what's happening in the world, uh, my next guest is Professor Ryan Morrow, National Security Analyst for Clarion Project, Professor of Counterterrorism at Liberty University. Hey, Ryan, welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. Hey, thanks for having me back on. Okay, um, let's just jump right in it. Um, prior to the break, I was talking to Tom DeBocaro, and he was he was telling everybody that um, that those that are concerned and freaking out that the strikes in Syria mean we're about to go into, into World War III, um, that that's not really what it, what it was about. I contend that the, and maybe it's just because this is how I choose to view it or want to view it, I, don't, I didn't have any problem with the Syrian strikes as a show of force, send a message to the world, the same message that Ronald Reagan was all about, peace through strength. Um, some people are saying that, you know, there's no way we should have done it. Trump ran as a, as a non-interventionist. We don't even know who who did the gassing. What do you think? I think it, we can be certain that Assad did. It was done by fixed-wing aircraft. Uh, it was through the use of sarin gas, which is not the type that you can just make effectively in your basement like the rebels would do with mustard gas. Uh, so we can't conflate the two. The, the chemical weapons used by, by rebels and by ISIS is different than the quality of what we saw delivered by aircraft at a, from a major airbase. And keep in mind that this is so opposite of everything Trump has said for decades, actually. It's one of the few consistent positions he's had, has been against interventionism, getting involved in civil wars, using the military for humanitarian missions, uh, more recently backing Assad and saying that we shouldn't be trying to overthrow him. This goes against all of that. So that means that Trump had to have been presented with rock-solid evidence. He's very skeptical of the intelligence community, doesn't seem to trust them to a degree that made me uncomfortable, but he still said, yes, they were right. So Assad did it. I support the strike. 
uh, because of the, the signal it sends. It did do damage to the base and to Assad's capabilities. General Mattis today said that it disabled one-fifth of the operational aircraft that Assad has, um, and it, it really is a new start. It's a restart for the United States and the world, is how I would put it. Um, now uh, people are asking a lot about the second steps, next steps. Where do we go from here, particularly since Assad supposedly is continuing to do um, the, a particular type of bombing? Because, you know, the left, of course, is con- they're looking for anything that they can use to criticize against Trump. So they're saying, well, Trump is, is what's he going to do now that Assad is continuing to bomb? My question for you about these bombings is, we don't, it's kind of a two-part question. I don't know who the good guys are, the bad guys over there. I know Assad has been protecting Christians over there. Maybe he's bombing his own citizens who also happen to be ISIS or Hamas. What's the real deal on the ground there in terms of who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? If you were to burn down a house, that's how you figure out Syria. I mean, it, it really is that much of a mess. But basically, for, for the various points that you made, not all Christians over there support Assad. Assad and the Russian propaganda outlets make it sound like that. It's true that the Assad regime is what's standing in the way between most Christians and genocide. That is true. However, there are Christians on the rebel side working with Kurds and working with Sunni Arabs um, who are armed and protected by them and asking for United States support. And I think that we should give it to them. Um, and Assad has hurt a lot of Christians um, in the past, blowing up um, Christian uh, organizations that are involved in humanitarian aid, locking up those who criticize them. So it, it's not so black and white when it comes to that. Um, most of the rebels are, in fact, Islamist radicals. They may not be al-Qaeda or ISIS, uh, but Russia and Assad do have a point when they say we are too narrow in how we define our enemy. Um, but then it, by the same token, they do think Assad and Russia do things like blow up hospitals. So where does that leave us? I would argue that our best option is to support what's called the Syrian Democratic Forces. This is a sort of rebel force that's Kurdish-dominated. It has Christians. It has Sunni Arabs. stands for uh, democracy. Um, there's, there are issues with it, uh, but they are light years ahead of the other rebels and light years ahead of Assad, and they're the most likely to agree to an indefinite ceasefire so this doesn't go on forever, whereas other rebels say that they're, they want to fight and have this go on until they overthrow the Assad regime. And I don't want this to go on a day longer than it has to. This is horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, Rex Tillerson said that, and, and I think I may be quoting here, it's time for Assad's family's reign. Uh, the time for Assad family's reign is about to end and we see no further role for him. Well, I guess you just dispelled the, the, the what most people, a lot of Americans see was Assad's role, which was kind of the same as Mubarak and Gaddafi, which was you had these strong men over there that maybe weren't the best dudes in the world, but they did provide protection for Christians. And even if there are Christians over there that um, are critical of Assad, if he is the one step, the between Christians and genocide, maybe that's what his role should be because otherwise you get Assad out and are we going to see the same thing that we saw in the Arab Spring, which was nothing but a springboard for Islamist control with Christians being slaughtered? I mean, I get the 200 or 90 something kids, however many were, were killed in the sarin gas, but how many Christians have been slaughtered, strung up on crosses and beheaded since the Arab Spring and nobody seems to be concerned about them? 
Well, I was in Iraq in January, and I went to the destroyed Christian area, so this strikes home for me. Um, and, but I also recognize that it's not as, as clear as, oh, secular dictators back the Christians, that there's, there's a gray area in there. And remember that Assad is a puppet of Iran. Every single time someone defends Assad, you are defending Iran. It, it, they are one entity at this point. Um, but when you, uh, I would say that there's a difference between pr- pursuing the removal of Assad, getting him and his inner circle to leave the country for a life of luxury in Moscow, versus regime change. Regime change means getting rid of the government, getting rid of the heads of the military, and then that's how we could have chaos and many, many more kids being tortured and dying in, in ways that we saw with the chemical attacks. Ideally, if we can get Assad and his inner circle out but leave the regime in place, maybe get a political transition, although I think that's far-fetched. That's the ideal situation. The backup for me, the plan that uh, I'm tossing around, is that the regime stays in place maybe with Assad at the head of it. We have to be willing to recognize reality. But we back the Syrian Democratic Forces who take out ISIS and al-Qaeda, which is huge in Syria and you never hear about it, and these other militias, and we tell Assad, don't bomb this one particular rebel alliance in mm-hmm. Syria, um, not making a Star Wars reference. And once they clean out the Islamist militias, if you leave them alone, we'll have a ceasefire. That's the only hope that we can come up with as a partition of the country. But we've got to bet, twist Assad's arms, and we have to back the right allies in Syria. Absolutely, because if you just uh, listen, if you, those listening on Facebook Live, um, we're talking to Ryan Morrow here from the Clarion Project. Um, to me, I, I think whatever we do and our involvement should have America's interest at heart. And that means fighting ISIS and fighting whoever and supporting those who are also on our side of fighting the guys that want to destroy the West and want to destroy America. Otherwise, I don't really see any any role for America in this to just get involved in a civil war. There's got to be some benefit to us. You know, Donald Trump said that he wanted in the first 90 days to be presented with a plan to wipe out ISIS, not wipe out Assad. So to me, all of our efforts should be centralized on the focus of wiping out radical Islam wherever it is look at look at where it's still continuing to flourish in Egypt. What is being done to protect Christians and to wipe out the scourge of radical Islam around the nation? We also had another terrorist attack in Sweden. You know, it's it's almost become you know as though it's it's that's acceptable. Sarin gassing of of Syrian babies not acceptable, but trucks driving through and motoring over people on the Westminster Bridge or in Sweden or, or that seems to be getting to where it's acceptable. Well, Assad and Iran, and again, they're one entity, are radical Islam. Um, So I don't see how we can win the war on radical Islam as a whole without taking on Assad and and the Iranian regime. Um, But as a matter of being pragmatic, that's why I'm saying we we should get to a position where we're willing to potentially Mm -hmm. tolerate Assad being in power. I don't think that should be our public position. I like saying, hey, we expect him to to leave, and we don't want to accept that. Um, But you can have an ideal goal and then have a goal on the ground. And the goal on the ground should be... um, um, backing whichever moderate forces exist on the ground, I would argue the Syrian Democratic Forces, have them kick out some of these Islamist militias that, that threaten Assad and us. Those are jihadists. Um, and then we strike a deal with Assad and Russia. And I think that that's actually possible um, for various detailed reasons. I actually believe this 
deal I'm talking about, uh, where we kick out the Islamist rebels with the help of more moderate rebels um, and force Assad to accept the partition of his country and have an indefinite ceasefire with a safe zone for refugees is actually possible. It's tough, but I, I think it can be done. Um, but we also have to remember that Assad has killed a lot of members of the U.S. military, mm-hmm. and that's forgotten as well, and I'm never going to forgive him for right. that. Right. Um, glad you brought up the refugees because, you know, now it's like, oh, Donald Trump, he's a hypocrite if he if he strikes Syria but doesn't open up and now want to bring on these refugees here. I don't think we can talk about radical Islam and jihad without talking about stealth jihad in the form of immigration flow. Uh, I agree with Donald Trump when he said there's no compassion in bringing people from terrorist-infested countries when you can't vet who they are. You look at what's happened in Europe, like that that was a, a, quote, refugee who was denied asylum in Sweden with the truck. It was a refugee who mowed over 84 people in Nice. It was refugees from uh, Chechnya or whoever this, wherever the Sarnayev brothers were who bombed up Boston. Um, it was an immigrant son, actually, who bombed Pulse nightclub. It was refugees who raped a five-year-old girl, gang-raped a five-year-old girl in Idaho. We have got to stop the importation of terror. Talk in the couple minutes we have left about um, Trump's plans to halt that from coming here in terms of the travel ban and other measures. Sure. Well, Trump's ban has actually been moderated. Uh, basically, what it says is, if it goes into effect, right now it's on hold, uh, is for 120 days, no refugees come into the United States, except for those that have, fall into a very wide range of exceptions. So those kids that are starving, they would be allowed in. Those that have something to offer to the United States, such as employment, they come to the United States. Many, many exceptions. It's not a complete ban, even though that, that's the takeaway most people have. And then for these six countries, uh, basically, you're not allowed in unless you can make a positive case as to why you should be allowed in. Because, again, it's characterized as a ban, but it, it really isn't. It just switches the burden from us saying, where the burden is on us to say, well, this is why we're not going to let you in. Mm-hmm. Now, people that want to come here have to say, well, this is why you should let me in. Mm-hmm. Which is more in line with what the Founding Fathers have said right from the beginning. I wrote an article about this citing um, a Founding Fathers expert, a friend of mine, Josh Charles, who looked at this. Um, so that that's actually a very pro-American, pro-Constitution way to go about immigration. So I, I like that attitude towards it. But for refugees in the Middle East, the core problem is the, the conflict here. And so that's why I presented this plan, have a safe zone in Syria um, that is protected from Assad's Air Force and is ruled by the Syrian Democrat forces. Then in Iraq, where I was, uh, turned that area, the area where the Christians and the Yazidis are, into a safe zone. Mm-hmm. It's a small area. The surrounding, area, the surrounding um, areas, the Kurds and the Iraqis, are okay with it. Um, so I see no reason not to do it. It's easy to do, mm-hmm. and the, the Christians and the Yazidis deserve to be protected and to represent themselves. Yeah, and America deserves to be protected from a culture that cannot assimilate. Um, some will, sure. but the vast majority won't. And, you know, if, if you were Remember the WikiLeaks emails with Podesta, in which they talked about they called it a Europe multicultistan, and you know uh, there is it, it, it. And Trump also said um, I might have been uh, the ninety one the general election. I don't remember was when he said that it's it, it's as much a cultural issue as it is one of, of of terrorism as well because you've got people coming here from parts of the world that want Sharia. There is and there because Islam is as much a political system, if not more a political ideology, than it is even a religion, and it's not compatible. 
compatible with us. And that's one of the reasons why when you've got Sharia that subjugates women and subjugates gay people, that is not in, that is not in, in keeping with well, our with our values Islam and our culture. Compatible. Political Islam is not compatible. Islamism is not compatible. But Muslims can be. Um, Muslims can be. I got my next door neighbor, retired anesthesiologist, makes the best pineapple upside down cake ever. But the, <laughs> but the ones coming here from Syria in these areas, they ain't all like, you know, my man, um, Maury from next door. Got to leave it there, Ryan. How can people leave, uh, see your work? Best place to go to is clarionproject.org and the Clarion Project Facebook page, as well as my own um, Facebook fan page for Ryan Morrow, M-A-U-R-O. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. Stay tuned. We got more of the Andrea K Show as we roll along. We got funny gal. Michelle Mahone's going to be here. Stay tuned. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Thanks to having all of you out there watching on Facebook Live, listening here on AM 1170. All right, for the first time on the Andrea K Show, I got I got stand-up comic and political pundit Michelle Mahone is going to be here with me. I met this gal when I did another show recently. She had me in stitches, actually, before we even got on set. Um, Michelle, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Well, thank you, darling. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Just just hearing your voice makes me laugh. Um, even <laughs> though our, our first topic isn't really that funny, maybe you can find some humor in it. Okay, so this guy, this doctor, books a flight to I don't know where, and next thing, you know, what happens is, I, I think a lot of people know what happened with the United Airlines. Okay, so they overbooked the flight, started offering money um, for, for people to... Um, give up their seats. I would have taken $800 to give up my seat, depending on what was happening, but they couldn't find enough volunteers. So then they decided to do some random pick of passengers. I don't know how they did it. Next thing this guy knows, he's literally being dragged by on, on his face out, uh, out the airplane. Now, fast forward, you know, the guy is being um, slimed and smeared all over media. What are you hearing about this story? Right here. Here's the thing. I guarantee you, none of the four people that they randomly picked on first day. Okay, let's get that out of the way. 
and they needed the seats not for other paying passengers, but for employees of the airline. They needed to get to another flight to work that flight. Passengers come first. So, you know, I wouldn't have got off the plane either. I would have been like, yeah, somebody needs to bite me. This is my seat. I I wouldn't have left. But, you know, he walks on a doctor and he leaves a passenger because his face was bloody. They, like, pummeled this guy over an airline seat. Now, I once beat the crap out of somebody for a bag of peanuts because, you know, (laughs) the flight was delayed and I was hungry. But that's, that's justified. You know. Well, I think what they needed I, to do was, I think they needed to continue to up the ante, not up the guy out of his seat by force. And now, of oh, course, yeah. yeah, and now, um, you know, you've got, um, I don't know who's behind the smear campaign of this guy. I, 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 I'm suspecting, and one of the reasons why I wanted to pick up this story again today is because I'm suspecting there's a political motive here behind all of this. Because immediately the Democrats were like, we need a, con- a con- con- congressional investigation into this. And I thought, oh, here we go. You know, Reagan, you know, broke apart. Remember, I don't don't know if if you know the story about Reagan and the airlines and the air traffic controllers. But we don't want the government now taking over the entire airline industry off of this. I I get what happened to the guy. I think people need to I think the solution is that consumers need to think wisely about what airline they go to and give all their business to, you know, United used to be the, you know, fly the friendly skies. Well, I guess if you consider jackboot on your neck friendly and a hug, um, take your business. Yeah. Take your business to Southwest or somewhere else. I don't want the government now getting involved. What do you think? No, no. Well, they're only friendly in the skies. They're not friendly before you take off. That's the thing. See, you got to read their little statement carefully. Uh, no, definitely, I don't want the government in it because they seem to tax everything to death, and um, you know they can't even fix the potholes that's on our street. So. I think we're good. No, but they should have just kept offering more. Eventually, more people would have given up their seats if it would have been enough money. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, keep 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 raising it. I mean, I think they stopped at eight hundred bucks. I mean, are you kidding me? That probably didn't even reimburse people for the actual, you know, ticket price of this. So I'm going to keep watch on this because you know I, I am a free market person, and any and I was just a little disappointed to hear supposed conservative local here in San Diego conservative supposedly pundits talking about how we need, you know, laws to be changed and all this and this and this. And it's like, are you kidding me? I thought you were supposed to be a limited government person. Keep the government out of the marketplace. Consumers, take your business to another airline, I say. Um, Another smear campaign um, that I think is happening in order to shut down uh, I, another story, I guess I should say, that I think has a political motive behind it, although it could be just a suspicion of mine, is what's happening to O'Reilly at Fox News. Now, as someone okay. who, as someone who came out of corporate America, I take and was sexually harassed myself. I take these claims very seriously until it gets to the point to where a woman is sitting next to Gloria Allred's daughter and with MSNBC calling the complaint hotline. Okay, then then you got me thinking that this is a political witch hunt here on the number one cable news. And even if you're not a fan of O'Reilly, the guy still does a lot of conservative talking points. And I think there's a political motive behind it. Well, okay. I actually know this woman. Oh, you do? Okay. (laughs) 
Okay. I might be, I might be opening the door to my world a little too wide, but 15 years ago or so, uh, someone recommended her as a therapist. It's actually Dr. Wendy Walsh. She has a PhD, and at that time, she was doing therapy, but she was doing it under you know, someone else's license. She wasn't like a full therapist yet. You know, she had to work under a, a full licensed therapist. And then the next thing I know, she's on every cable channel, um, you know, banging the drum that she's America's relationship expert. Yeah. On what? Um, you've been a therapist for five minutes. You're a <laughs> relationship expert. And number two, I think if I don't get sexually harassed, I'm like, what? I'm not hot. I, you know, I'm not your taste. I'm hot. Come on, well, something. I, I get very offended if, if I'm not harassed. So <laughs> well, her story. A compliment. Uh, well, uh, yeah, you know, uh, and define sexual <laughs> harassment, too. You know, it's like nowadays a man can't even tell a woman you look nice today or whatever. It's, you know, we've become such a litigious society. And, you know, her, I heard her story because I actually sometimes I check out, you know, MSNBC if, if I need a laugh. And the details of her story, <laughs> it just didn't add up to sexual harassment to me. It, add, it added up to the fact that he thought maybe there was a mutual attraction there wasn't she he continued to have her on his show so you know where was the where was the retribution where did she suffer any damage because maybe he thought for a second that there was something mutual there wasn't so they ended up continuing the evening and you know and she went on to do segments on the show so i'm going to keep my eye on this story as well i think that the left has been you know looking to take down uh, different people on fox news for a while that you know i had cheryl atkinson on my show a couple weeks ago talking about the you know they the the movement that's been amped up since Trump won the election to try to control media to as everybody that they can they're trying to control posting and even small people like me trying to control social media and if they can take out a big like Bill O'Reilly man that would be the holy grail for them um, yeah there's no way I mean it was back in 2013 the way mad I mean if, if you didn't know who she was you didn't say you knew who she was uh, she's not really on TV anymore she wasn't that compelling no she's not an expert she said the same few talking points every time she was on TV right um, and she's still trying to sell a book that she wrote like 20 years ago yeah. and you know once she was no longer invited on a show then all of a sudden she's offended yeah, so to me, it sounds like she's the harasser. You know, continue to give me regular segments on a show, or I'm going to file a lawsuit against you. To me, that's the bullying and the tyranny there. So um, anyway, Michelle Mahone, how can people see you more and hear more of you? Uh, let me give you my uh, home address. Uh, <laughs> 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 you can me on Twitter at Mahone, M-M-A-H-O-N-E, and I'm a stand-up comic, so I appear around L.A. and Nevada and Arizona, and all the people are good enough to uh, put me up on stage. So, all right. Well, there thank you go. Well, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it, lovely thank lady. All righty. Um, it's crazy to see. I, I don't think, um, I, by the way, I don't think O'Reilly is going anywhere uh, since this latest story broke and Fox announcing an investigation. He's lost 60 advertisers. However, his ratings are up because I think people are realizing that this is a witch hunt on him, just like the witch hunt on Trump and the whole collusion thing, which, by the way, anybody talking about that anymore?
I, I post I posted a meme on uh, Facebook and Twitter, um, uh, my Facebook page that I thought was pretty funny that I stole from somebody that was like, you ain't hear nothing. You don't hear nothing. That Trump collusion story kind of went away at the sound of 59 uh, tomahawks. Um, Getting back to some real serious stuff, how long, you Andrea K. Show listeners know that I have been saying for a long time that the border is our number one issue. And we've got a variety of different borders to deal with. We've got the physical border on on the South. We've got the virtual borders in the form of, of the visa program, refugee program. We've got the cyber border. Um, people, the left yammering about Russia hacking. Well, they didn't do anything to stop it. They didn't do anything after China hacked uh, the the GAO and even my own family members, going back 40 years, government workers had their identity hacks, nothing done with that. Um, we've also got the economic border in terms of trade policies. The American people get it. They know that these borders have been the number one issue. It's, it affects us economically with our debt. It affects us with our health care system. It affects our schools. And we've got 19-year-olds that can't speak English, ra- gang-raping girls in, in bathrooms. we got a five-year-old in Idaho that was gang-raped uh, by refugees. The American people get it. So they elect a man who says, and there were chants at rallies, build the wall, build the wall. Everybody knew, including the GOP leadership, that the American people wanted a wall, not just the phony, you know, virtual crap at the border. They wanted a dang wall. And now what do we have? It's time to start building the wall here in San Diego. The San Diego Union Tribune has reported uh, that over 400 contractors are putting in their names uh, for bids. There will be a selection in June to start building the wall here in Otay Mesa. We've got two border crossings in San Diego. Well, of course, Here comes the opposition parties, both Democrats and Republicans. The Democrats here in California and Sacramento are saying uh, they've already introduced legislation to try to punish any contractors that build the wall. Think about that. State, a state, the biggest state in the union, threatening to punish contractors by either not allowing them to ever do a state contract again if they do this federal project or or threatening to withhold uh, state pensions. That's one way that they're going to try to punish. One of the what, 20 of the 400 contractors are here in San Diego. They're like, hey, wait a second. This ain't political for us. This is about jobs. This is about putting food on people's table. What are you kidding? Are you kidding me here, California? Oh, these leg- Democratic Calif- legislators say, well, it's just not necessary. Really? It's not necessary? Y'all got to go to a sanctuary state right now because the state is so flooded with illegals that the entire state has to become a sanctuary. And you're going to tell me it's not necessary? Heck yeah, it's necessary. That's as stupid as saying the sanctuary cities keep people safe. And even worse is the Republican Party and GOP leadership saying now that we got a budget coming out, they don't want any money in it for the wall, including people that are Congress people for border towns, two of in, in Texas. Again, following the same liberal line, crap, saying that it won't work and it's a waste of taxpayers' money. We got to be two of them in, in Texas saying we got to be good stewards of taxpayers' dollars. If you were stewards of taxpayers' dollars, our money wouldn't be going down the, the drain that is that open border. It is killing us economically, and every American knows it. And then worse, here comes McCain. He's coming out and saying, well, you know what? He said in a hearing with, with uh, Kelly, the head of DHS, you know, the problem with this wall is they do, there's a lot of anti-American sentiment going on in Mexico right now, and they don't like us. And if we build this wall, they're just not going to like us. And they might even elect an anti-American president. Like he's so pro now? And then, of course, they're hiding behind the the legislative process that if we put any funding in there, you know, we won't be able to get it through. Go nuclear. This whole supermajority crap isn't from the founders. That's ridiculous. So, again, you got Paul Ryan trying to hide behind the legislative process for his pro-amnesty stuff. 
This is ridiculous. Everybody needs to be on the phone to their legislators and putting the pressure on. And Trump should be tweeting out against them, just like he tweeted out against the Freedom Caucus, and demand. Now, Mike Rogers, he's got a plan. He says, make the illegals pay for it or pay something. The illegals that are in this country, make them pay for it. We got to take a break. In fact, I'm running well past the break. And now I got to calm down. Then when we come back, I've got the awards for last week's Fool, this week's Tool, and Hero of the Week. Don't go anywhere. It's the Andrea K. Show. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We're into our final segment. We're on the home stretch, which is good because I about lost my voice getting all fired up over that border nonsense before the break. You want to hear some more nonsense? This story is for you, DJ Carrot Sticks, because you're not long out of college. You might, you, might, you might somehow relate to this young woman from Villanova. Okay, so in... <laughs> In the latest round of college students acting stupid and supporting acts of stupidity because they're being taught by stupid professors, we've got this student from Villanova, Yvonne Wynn, who has decided that she's going to shave her hair in an act of social justice. She says that she's going to get rid of her hair to take a stand against gender oppression, to acknowledge and to acknowledge her own. I'm reading here because it didn't make any sense to me, so I got to read it. To her own privilege, this is from Philly Voice, her own privileged place. In American society. Hey, Yvonne, poor people have hair too, don't they? I think so. (laughs) I've had money and I've been poor, had the same head of hair the entire time. Know some people that have short hair to like save money on shampoo. But. Well, yeah, I guess I don't. She goes on. Well, however, she goes on to say, over the years I would cut my hair, but each time I was told I didn't look like a true girl until my hair was long, silky, and straight. Well, maybe that's got something to do with your face. I didn't got anything to do because some of the hottest women in the world have short hair. Okay, let's talk about Halle Berry. Okay, nobody's ever questioned Halle Berry being a woman, and the woman's got short hair. Demi Moore and uh, GI Jane. Oh, Remember yeah. Or even oh. in Ghost with no makeup on. I mean, the woman is like ridiculous. She's like a freak. She's so beautiful with that short hair. I didn't think she was that hot in G.I.G. I did. Anyway. Those pull-ups. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so then she goes on because that was stupid enough. She goes on to say that it also serves as a reminder of her unearned access to resources as a result of membership in Advantage Social Group. What? I, and by the way, in terms of resources, girl, you can go to Supercuts for $12. Anybody can afford a haircut nowadays. Right? Isn't that what Supercuts? Get a Floby. Yeah. 
for the flow beat? What happened to that oh, thing? Yeah, get out. Get out. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and then she says some of these privileges include food, water, shelter, safety, social support, freedom of speech, education, and hair. So she's got hair right up there with shelter. I'm, not, I'm still not sure. This is just, this is how off the rails. It, I, I can't imagine right now if I had a kid as a senior. I actually know somebody who's got a kid who's who's graduating college right now, and she's checked out schools in the South. We don't, we, you know, she was actually, she was torn between LSU and Bama, and she went Bama. I don't understand that. Go, You know, I'd, I'd have gone to LSU. But we don't hear this much crazy coming out of the South. I, I swear, like a year ago, there was a story about college girls not shaving not shaving their legs or their armpits. So oh, that's like, right. Okay, do, do you shave or you don't shave? Are you, yeah, what is it? Okay, that's right. We And the, in fact, they were dyeing their hair and then they were like doing braids yeah. out of it. And I don't even remember what that was about. But you know what? If you've got a kid at Villanova or if you're this girl's parents, I mean, can you imagine? I'd be so embarrassed. Although, when does the left ever get embarrassed? I mean, these are the same people that at Women's March talked about bloody sheets and I'm nasty. Yeah, you're nasty. All right. Speaking of nasty, um, we had a nasty 74-year-old governor down in Alabama. I don't know if you heard this story. Dude need to back away from his Viagra because it's 74. I mean, come on. Uh, the love gov, as they called him. I'm not sure why they called him. Um, he basically was having an affair with this woman and he... He committed all kinds of acts of felony, you know, felonies in terms of dealing, you know, money and fraud and campaign contributions and different stuff and just completely went off the rails with that. And just, you know, um, then he continued when he was starting to be discovered, he made threats against people and um, he was brought down. He was brought down um, by his wife. He was brought down by fellow um, uh, people in his party and outside in the state of Alabama, and they brought him down. He was forced to resign. Some people are complaining they got a sweetheart deal, um, but he lost his, he not only lost his position, but, you know, he had to plead guilty. The guy's actually going to, you know, suffer legal repercussions. So I say hat tip. We Congress, pay attention, because we actually have a, an elected official who got caught with his candy, the cookie jar, as well as in another woman's bra, and he actually is paying the price for it. When I first read the story, though, I, I, part of me was glad to see somebody being held to account, but another part of me was like, this doesn't even scratch the surface with what Governor Bubba was doing down in Arkansas with Hillary Clinton and Tyson Chicken and the Rose Law Firm and all the women that he was using government resources for. Uh, but for some reason, the Clintons and the Democrats, they never get held to account, ever. And it's time. Alabama should be a blueprint for what to do with every other congressional leader. Although if there have been other Republicans and even a couple of Democrats uh, that were that were held accountable, but it's always at the state or local level. It's never in Washington, and it doesn't seem to be Democrats, at least not at a high level. Anything you want to share on that story before I wrap up? Well, I just wouldn't be surprised if he goes to counseling, you know, sex addict, something or other, and and find himself back in politics. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's what the celebrities do out in Hollywood. You know, they get caught as serial cheaters and they go into sex rehab or whatever and they rehabilitate himself. I mean, if if he were a Democrat, he would do that and he would write a book. It'd be a bestseller. He'd go on the tour and the ladies on The View would love him and they'd fawn all over him if he was a Democrat. And he'd get father of the year at some point down the road because, gee, isn't that the story of Bill Clinton, right? I mean, allegedly raping women all over the place. And, you know, he's a rock star. He's a hero. And Anthony Weiner, it was like three times before he finally got... 
in trouble? Yeah, and oh, by the way, speaking of holding people accountable, when was the last time any other regular dude, let alone a Republican or elected official, was sexting a 15-year-old and got away with it? He's not only behind bars, but that Huma Abedin is back with him again. The left, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's time for last week's Fool, this week's Tool Awards. Speaking of heroes, my hero of the week, this came to me from um, my goddaughter, Jordan Oris, because it's always tough every week. It's easy to come up with the last week's Fool, this week's Tool Awards. The hero of the week is always the toughest for me to come up with because there's just too few heroes. So I put it out there this morning, and I got to say thank you to all the ones who posted. We have lost some more heroes that are patriots and on the battlefield. We're not, when Bush was in office, we had a daily update of soldiers that we lost in casualties in the war, the forgotten war that was Afghanistan. Too many to mention. So my collective weekly award for Hero of the Week is the U.S. military that continue and are getting no recognition for it because the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about our heroes that are losing their lives on the battlefield. So that's a collective to them. Um, but this is an interesting one because this hero is not just a hero politically but as and as a citizen, but as a woman. And the hero is Diane Bentley, LoveGov's wife. As her, And I'm going to read this description. As her 50th wedding anniversary approached, she discovered her husband was having an affair with a woman 30 years his junior. Her husband, husband was the, the governor. How did she react? She sought the help of a staffer, recorded his calls, achieved his iMessages, filed for divorce, moved out of the governor's mansion, and then worked with all the officials to bring him down. Let me tell you, a lot of men may not understand the courage that it took for a woman 50 years into a marriage to do what she did. This woman is a patriot. She is a hero and should be a hero and, and should be um, a, a role model to women everywhere. Hat tip to you, Diane Bentley. Um, for last week's Fool, this week's Tool, it's a tie. Um, to United Airlines, not just for being complete tools and fools for what they did to a paying customer. Okay, guy was a customer, United Airlines. The airlines seemed to forget that. And maybe it's because I, I learned that our Constitution doesn't follow us onto an airplane, by the way. Um, but they're tied. They're fool. They're tools because now they're being tools by the left. I predict that this story is going to continue because I think that the Democrat Party is going to use this as a way and with, with a lot of uh, complicit Republicans as a way for the government to try to ultimately get control of the airline industry. That will be a huge mistake. We will all end up paying far more than we are right now for airline tickets and in other ways as well. Um, also, Ty is Governor Bentley because... The fact that other people and other governors like Bubba have gotten away with it doesn't mean he should have. Complete fool and tool as a husband, as an office holder, as someone who was elected to serve the people. Shame on you, Bentley. You write a book, I ain't buying it. You, you a fool and a tool. Thank you all for being here. Thanks to all my amazing guests. Thank you to DJ Carrot Sticks. Andrea K. Show right here every Tuesday, 6 p.m. on AM 1170. The Answer. Love you all. 